Oh, we're on, are we? Okay, constantly varied. We're back. Oh, what a chat we have today. We're going to talk about training. We're going to look back and look forward. We have a big topic of body language to discuss. One of my favorite topics. Can't wait to get into that. We also have the return of the famous Jose question because we also have the return of the famous Jose. How are you, Jose? Hello, really well. Uh, and um, before we get into the chat, don't forget, follow us on Spotify if you're a regular listener so you don't miss any op- uh, episodes. But also, all of us would love to hear if there's any topics that you'd like to discuss, hear discussed. If you have opinions on what we are discussing, we'd love to hear about it. And then if there's anything you hate about the podcast, I'd love to hear that as well so we can see if we can drop it for you so or ignore you yeah either way but i'd love to hear (laughs) yeah we become an was it an asshole isn't that what that's called when you ask and you ignore jose how's life really good cannot complain delighted to be here and yeah like you mentioned i was here not that long ago so yeah and a regular contributor now depending on how it's going today yeah we'll see we'll see we'll see how it goes James Rankin, how's life? How are you, Jamie? Yeah, really good. Um, getting back into the swing of things after the whole Christmas New Year break. Feeling, I, I definitely used last week just to find my feet again. We had this conversation off mic. Um, so this week, I'm starting to feel a little bit smoother with everything again and and trying to push some more things along. So yeah, great. Deadly. I tell you what, I'm feeling really optimistic about 2024. I don't know why. Um, in particular but i like because things are going terribly so far or just and <laughs> <laughs> no it's just, i just don't have a like i don't have a any solid reason to say it's because of this but i have this feeling that things are lining up that it's going to be a really good year so I, i've got a good feeling about it it's been a manic start like probably the craziest start i've had to a year in a long time yeah. just mad but i'm feeling really good about it so um it's good to be in january i love january for some reason i love kicking it off and new beginnings fresh energy so um let's talk about training let's start there let's go um question for you both your favorite workout of the last week lots of people who'll be listening have done many of the workouts so just wondering have you got a favorite that you either coached or that you just saw on paper you like to look up or when you did james you all, go first? all of the above um friday the fifth where we did what was it called overlap the 20 minute amrap of 12 dumbbell snatches 10 single arm devil's press and eight burpee over box i loved coaching it and trying to get people to a point of moving really well moving really efficiently and then trying to move really fast that's for those movements that overlap element of it made that quite difficult so i really dug in on my class plan for that one to try and elicit the best response possible and then bringing the appropriate energy for that workout was really fun then as well then people did really well at it which is always fantastic and then whenever i did it at lunchtime it was a real good challenge um it was one of those workouts where you know whenever you coach it and then you're like i no fucking way i'm doing this <laughs> you're just like that's too difficult too much it's a friday first week back after christmas not what i need whatsoever but i kind of talked myself into it and then had a really good session really really enjoyed doing that one so you i loved everything about friday yeah uh so first of all you stole my answer i have the same answer <laughs> for this but i'll tell you why in a sec but before that i came into the gym on friday uh, i'd been over in selbridge for the morning i came back here and you just finished the workout yeah and you know when you see remember the old 90s war movies where people would get camouflage and they get the two black marks on their things and they'd rub them across their faces like james had rubber black marks <laughs> his, his, it's like someone had just messed his hair up for the last half an hour he looked like he'd been through a war yeah. i remember coming and going oh he's not okay i felt like it yeah <laughs> and he was doing that sort of just uh verbal diarrhea walking around they're like oh my god what happened what just happened to me so i could see that you went for it full death right Full death. I, but I went for it on the first round and part of me, I coached that way. I was like, just go for it in the first round, see what happens after that. And then Amy coached it the same way. But then like the the athlete in me wants to be like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> like I know it's, ter- I know it's yeah. a terrible idea because I can't do as much work and all that jazz. But then I did it anyway. Oh, no, oh, it, just ru- it ruined my Friday, to be honest. Yeah. It set it up, but it ruined it for <laughs> uh, like maybe 90 minutes. 
Yeah, well, what I loved about it was that that two-minute time cap thing on each round uh, gave everyone a chance to say, well, I'm going to go when I'm ready. So there was that self-awareness thing of, like, how conditioned am I? How How's my recovery? And then how fit do I want to get? There was that element. So when I was coaching it in Smithfield in the evening, I was determined to get that message across. Like, don't just go on the convenient start time. Go when you're ready. And there was four lads in the class led by Tommy, you know, Tommy, like the, the ultimate self-harm merchant. Uh, and Paul Murphy was in the class where the two of them were like, you could see them looking across the room at each other, like who's going to go. And oh my God, it was like 45 seconds after round one, they went again. And then they kept on that like one minute rest sort of pace. Oh my God, never seen two fellas upend themselves as much. It was amazing to watch, but lots of people in that class really went for it. I was so happy because that was, it was kind of designed to be like that. And when you see people nailing it, you can see how much hurt they could put themselves through. Amazing workout. So yeah, we'll probably use that sort of mechanism again at some stage. Jose, you have a, a pick from the last week. Uh, yeah, I agree that Friday was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but in my mind, Tuesday was the best of the week. Barpees uh, over the bar, deadlift, barpee over the bar, and then sumo deadlift. Oh, yeah. So this was the first day back after the new year, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and we had the tr kind of four sections. So it was 60 burpee over bar, and then we went on 7 minutes, 30 deadlifts, then 40 burpee over bar, and then 20 sumos. Yep. I think that was really, really cool. Like, it was also the feeling of being the first workout of the year. So in emotional part, I was so excited. People came with a lot of vibes, so it was really good. And I'm really happy also with the output of the workout. People were moving really, really well, uh, despite the, mm, the amount of repetition of deadlift that was really difficult to hold it. And it was kind of heavy, right? Yeah, it was heavy. You know? Like it was heavier than people wanted it to be. Yeah. And then the, the, the barpees, <laughs> when I told the amount of barpees in the whiteboard, they were like, no, you're joking. Cannot be, <laughs> cannot be that many. And it was, they did really, really well. The 40 felt way harder than the 60, just because, of course, they were tired. Uh, Sean Curran, he told me that there was a point when he passed the 15 repetition on the set of the 40, that he was just absolutely done, like say, I cannot finish, and he kept going. So I think that that was yeah. the general feeling, was really cool. And people handled the sumos very, very well, didn't yeah. they? They ate yeah. through them. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was good. And it, that kind of shows us a movement that we're not used to doing. Um, it just demonstrates a lot of people's strong hips, strong yeah. legs. They have the, the requisite base strength for it. So that was cool to see. Yeah, that was a cool workout. I really liked that as a start of the year, as yeah. you said, like it set us up nicely. Yeah. We're into our deadlifts in this quarter quite a lot. Um, with the open coming up daily so jose i'm going to stick with you now um we're going to look ahead to the next seven days have you got something that you think looks like you're lo most looking forward to absolutely i think that <laughs> monday is the coolest by far monday yeah i've got it here so we got a power snatch one at max yes and then <clears throat> the part b is interesting right yeah we do like it says complete up to 20 power snatch singles so it's up to 20 yeah in a five minute window. And we're gonna work at 80% of what we hit in part A. And the goal is to perform each lift with perfect technique. Um, this is the interesting bit. Your score is the total number of reps completed that you would consider your best technique. I love that part, that's so cool. I think that giving them the autonomy to give them a score, if the repetition was good or not, I think that is so, so good. It's a, I think that is also, a signal for yourself of trust to the athlete to know when they are performing a good uh, power snatch or not and be then uh, be then the one that are actually making the judgment of that was good that wasn't that count that doesn't so i think that is really cool yeah i mean i'd be so interested to see how that goes for people because i know some people will be absolutely perfectionist and they'll give themselves zero even though we'd probably give mm -hmm. them like there's a good few good ones in there and then we also know that there'll be people at the <laughs> other end who be like, I got 28. Yeah. <laughs> Watching a few strict prayers, yeah, that one yeah. does count. It moved, it moved. Yeah, so uh, it'll be up to us as coaches to kind of paint that picture of where the parameters of, of um, what good technique is, but then it is up to the individual to decide where's my standard and where what am I gonna give myself there? Uh, and I think it's gonna be tricky because I think in the one at max, 
there there's often small deviations in technique and then having to refine it for a second piece is going to be an interesting exercise but i always love when we leave a session with our best version of a lift it's kind of that's what we're left mm -hmm. with that's what the, the system remembers for the next time yeah it's a cool one james what are you thinking here for the next week uh, i have gone for saturday and saturday is a team of two workout it's 200 burpees for time where partner one is doing burpees and then the other partner is doing 10 shuttle runs and they swap every set of 10 shuttle runs and it's just it's so simple that the athletes who are are skillful or really highly competent at certain movements aren't necessarily at an advantage here um there's a fitness element to it obviously that's really important but it just screams like who wants it more that's all it really is it's like are you willing to go just a little bit faster on your shuttle runs because we know they'll get sluggish and are you willing to do another burpee right before you really want to because we know they'll get sluggish and it's that over and over and over again and then you pointed this out on the podcast when we recorded it jamie the element of teamwork that you have to do here is super important because if you do a set of burpees and they do a set of burpees and then you go what are we on and you haven't communicated it it's like we're on zero yeah. <laughs> if you don't know start again lads yeah so it has to be if we're in a team and i go first like i did 18 and you're like okay 19 20 and adding that on and it's something i forget about all the time but it could really make or break this workout yeah yeah you got to keep that communication flowing don't you yeah i think it's like you said it's such a simple thing but that big numbers like 200 burpees is a lot um, and then like it's a lot of shut runs in between as well so you're going to be with the burpees for a while it's an 18 minute cap we're building grit this quarter it's uh, i think this is a great workout because when we're going like let's face it it's not going to be fast paced it's sort of like f slow non-stop it's a, lots of time to get in your head and to kind of back away from the challenge and the discomfort of it so i think the real gritty people are going to be able to stick with the process and say i'm going to hold this pace hold this pace and not stop it's going to be brilliant yeah yeah, I like the look of it. So for me, I think my favorite workout is next Tuesday. And we have a two-parter, and we're going to work on gymnastic capacity work first. One of my favorite ways to build, like, pull-ups or chest-to-bars or something that's difficult is to just go imam, ace, pick a number, and stick with it. What I find is the first couple rounds are fine, then the middle it gets difficult. And towards the end, when you have to complete the number at high quality, is where we get the progress. So we do that first. Then we go to accessory work and we're doing kind of different things. We got two by 15 second hollow holes, really difficult, but we know strength in the hollow really dictates a lot of our kipping power. Then we go ring rows up to 15 reps within a minute. We've got some autonomy there of what we do, but we just have to work hard and get strong. And then this last piece is active hip extension hold really will help us in our arch position, which is the bit that as coaches we know breaks down most in the kipping. So we've got all the components of kipping and we get to just build the strength and the capacity around those so that next time we come around to the pull-up bar, we're, we're more capable. So what I love about this workout, it's one of those ones where we as coaches would have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, be like, oh, if you just spend a little bit more time, like let's do it now together, but if you spent more time in the hollow, in the arch position, just practicing, ignore the time, all that jazz, like we know how helpful this is, and now it's just programmed where people don't really have a yeah. choice in the matter. It's like, Go and do the work. Yeah, yeah. we're going to make you do this really boring, yeah. boring but basic and yeah. so important And, work. and th that's the thing about this type of work. It's less boring when we're doing it in a group, when we've got real clear focus points, and there's a bit of grit and a bit of like, have to hang on for it, so... Yeah, I'm looking forward to that workout. I think, I think that the second part is going to be so useful. Uh, if you check the goal of 2024 in the whiteboard downstairs, there are plenty of lifting, but also plenty of gymnastics. And I think that that kind of workout is building your base to be closer to the keeping pull-up, bar muscle-up, that sort of thing. So I think that is absolutely key that you go to the edge and you'll actually find a good volume of work in that kind of session. Yeah, and I think if I was going to pick one thing that... I would increase the level of for everyone for the open it's just gymnastics everybody gets tripped up by it at some point in the open so it's it's one of those things it's hard to get good at it or to get better at it on your own mm. so we've got a good group session for here yep. but yeah look 
next week looks fun. I was like, I'm a big fan of some of the workouts here. This is, <laughs> this is <laughs> That's yeah, self-praise is no praise, is that what they say? Uh, but it, it does look like a fun week ahead. So um, deadly. I'd love to hear what anyone's favorite workout from the last week. Um, see what people are enjoying at the moment. Um, okay, let's move on from programming. Very quick mention here of events this week. It's only a very quick thing. The internship is starting this week. All three of us are on the internship team. We're going to be delivering it. We have 14 interns from four locations. It's amazing. I can't fucking wait for it. So I just wanted to send a big good luck message to all those 14 individuals. I'm sure there's some nervousness and trepidation not knowing what, what they're getting into. Um, but they're starting this long six-month learning process, what this place is all about. And I just want to say good luck to them and like just come along open up your mind and enjoy the process it's it's all about learning and you know by the end of this six months we're going to be a very tight group so this is the start of it you're looking forward to it jose yeah i'm delighted cannot wait to start with it also i had a few conversations with a few of the interns and they were excited also a little bit afraid or nervous because they are fuck i don't have any background i don't know anything and I think that this is great because you are way more open on the learning process. So you will start from scratch. It means that all the input are going to be new and you will carry with them, sorry, you will carry them with you forever. So I think that they have to be really calm on what you mentioned, enjoy the process, trust mm -hmm. and go in. Uh, James, this is your like fourth internship in a row. Fourth variation, any, yeah. Any words of wisdom? to put you on the spot? You put me on the spot here. We yeah. didn't prep this. We did not prep this. Anything that, that will help someone get more from it yeah um <clears throat> i've actually been drawing up a like a, a document for the intern to be like here's how to maximize your time as an intern and the thing that keeps coming back to me is probably something that i'm terrible at and it's go ask questions and go ask for help like and it's very easy in a scenario like this where you maybe don't feel like you're very competent or you, you don't know anything as an intern and you're reluctant to go and talk to a coach who looks busy and seems busy all the time. But we want to make sure that everyone at the end of this like gets everything out of it that they possibly can. And the only way that they can do that is by coming asking the questions and getting themselves closer to whatever it is they need. And we have our idea of what a coach needs. And that's what we're obviously delivering. But then people know their own weaknesses as well. So I don't really understand that. Can you help me with it again? And we want to hear more and more and more of that. That's one thing you say all the time, isn't it? Like you get worried when coaches go quiet. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of my mantras. Uh, and I, I think it's perfect advice. Um, it's a great signal to the teacher that you give a shit, that you care because you want to do a better job. When you go quiet, there's always that. Is that person like... Do they have this figured out or do they think they have it figured out? And I don't know right or now. Or have they stopped caring? Or have they stopped caring? Yeah. Or they, th yeah, exactly. So I think the, the big thing is keep communicating and ask for help wherever you can. Yeah, great shout. Okay, that's the internship. Um, let's talk about our main topic today. And it's. I'm a little nervous about this, I'm not going to lie. What is hell in my body language? I, since I brought it up the other day, I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Why is that, do you think? Do you know? What I think it is, because I was talking to Jill about this last night, as I do with everything all the time. You know, we talk about, as a coaching team all the time, the difference between preaching something and then trying to practice and lead yeah. people and inspire people to do things. Like we don't want to be standing at the whiteboard going, you have to be a hungry, humble, yeah, yeah. happy person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas we want to live by our values. That we, like, And there's that balance. And the body language one, I'm just like, oh, I've never actually spoke about this. It can sound so judgy. So judgy. So like, we've spoke about it as a team, very, but very little in comparison yeah. to some of the other stuff. So and that's my reluctance here. I think if you're feeling sensitive about it, we get it. <laughs> we get yeah, maybe it. come back and listen to this another day if you're feeling sensitive <laughs> about it. <laughs> it does feel really personal when we talk about body language. And if, we're, if it sounds like we're being critical ever... It can be like you're being really critical of the person, who they are. Whereas I see it, body language purely as a behavior. And, you know, behaviors are choices and they can be conscious or subconscious. And when, um, when we're not conscious of it, I think it can cost us. So I think it's worth, it's worth looking at. It's worth being, becoming more conscious of as we go. Okay, so a quick couple of things here about it. 
uh, 7% of communication is verbal, seven, right? Then we have 38%, which is vocal. So that's like tone, pitch, volume, all that stuff. Then we've got 55% is visual. So like we say most with our body language and we say 7% with our words. So when you think about that, like, and we're people who communicate for a living, we choose our words carefully, and yet we're like we're communicating all the time by just being in the room with somebody. So if we're in that position, we have to be always thinking, well, what am I saying with my body? And it's incredibly difficult to become conscious of it. And we're gonna get into that, like, how, like, do we become conscious of it? How do we do it? And then when we do, is there anything that we can cue ourselves to improve on it? It's, it's that simple. Um, so the other thing is like, uh, the easiest way for me to think about it, you know, if you're standing in a queue for anything and you looked at everyone else in the queue, like, you know, exactly how everyone is doing in that queue. <laughs> don't you? You can tell who's bored. You can tell who's getting frustrated. You can tell someone that might be a bit anxious. I don't like being in this confined space or standing in the same spot. Some people get very confident. Some people get indignant. I want to be like, where is this cue? Why is it so slow? And, and they're not saying any of these things, but everything about how they stand, how they hold themselves, their facial expression, like we all know it. So therefore, when I think about that, I think I'm always saying something. If I'm in the room with somebody, I'm always saying something. So I better start becoming conscious of what I'm saying and how I'm saying it, right? Um, I, was, um, I was wondering, first of all, do you monitor your own body language? How often do you, how do you become conscious of it? Yes, sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I try. Uh, I try, I think that it's a process. Like, for example, I have in mind the breathing, that kind of mindfulness thing. Mm -hmm. I think that it's really similar, the process with the body language, until a point that you're actually making an effort to check how is your body language, probably you're not conscious whatsoever. Your body is just moving and you feel comfortable in the position that you are. But at the end of the day, the body is just reflecting your thinking process. That makes sense? Absolutely. So I think that making an effort and with the time, you will be more conscious at this goes. So I think that is a thinking process more than actually be thinking on the own body itself. So be thinking on the thought process the thought more than, more than the own body language. So if I was to ask you, this is a um, hard question to answer. How many times a day, hmm. if or, or is it a week or whatever it is, yeah. do you think you become aware of your body language and then make an adjustment? A lot. Basically in class, I think that is the most obvious because I'm demoing something, so I'm really conscious how I'm demoing, so I think that is an extra layer. On daily basis, on my social, uh, my social part, not as much, but still plenty of time that I say fuck. And now I'm not giving a good body language. Let's change the the position. Have you got a number? No, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I didn't count. I'm going to do it actively. The next, uh, yeah. I will give you the the number. I don't have any. What about you, Jr? Have you got? Do you, do you have a, a good sense of? Frequency. The, the number 10 came to my head, but uh, I don't really know. So 10 every day. So since you brought this up to me on Monday, mm -hmm. I've become much more like much more aware of it again. Uh, to give you an example, on the floor today, I was, the workout had started. People were doing the handstand push-ups or the push-ups, whatever they were doing. And then once everyone got onto the boxes and I was checking down the line of the room 18 people and i i noticed that i had relaxed <laughs> like my whole posture just went <sighs> and the shoulders came forward and down a little bit i was i wasn't slouching i think i had one hand in a pocket and i just went oh <laughs> dickhead mm. coach mode <laughs> and i just started walking and talking and doing the thing again but i noticed that it did happen. And I think I said this to you recently that I had noticed that in my coaching sometimes where I feel like I'd done a good job in getting everyone set up. And then I looked down the room and I was like, yeah, that's probably everyone trying their hardest. Oh, and the thing relaxed. And I had to keep checking on that again. And since Monday, I've dialed that back up. 
So I'd right. say, uh, yeah, at least 10 times yeah, a day. And I, I think, think when you're coaching classes, it's huge. Uh, it's huge. So, it, and we have it as part of our like in-house training. We have a part of our coaching guidelines. We become conscious of it because when we're in that role, we're communicating all the time. So we have to be conscious of it. Um, so I could definitely relate to that. Outside of classes, I think my number, I when I ask myself, I go, I think around five times a day I might, it might come to mind, I might notice look at look at my lazy body language right now and this room needs something else for instance yeah. and then i think maybe there's days where i don't think about it at all but i think maybe at least once a day it would come to mind and then other days it might be like 10. yeah but i think it's in that range which seems like a lot to me do you know what i'm saying because i think and it might sound like um it might sound like some people are never think about it yeah and it sounds like a bit contrived but I think I think about it every day at some point, and um, because I really find bad body language <laughs> challenging to yeah, deal so with. Yes, therefore you are conscious of, of you my own. Be, yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, like, I was in I was in a business meeting yesterday, to give you an example, right? And I there was there was four of us. I know one of the people really well. I know a third person. I'd met them once before, so we were sort of familiar but not really familiar at all and then the other person i'd never met before and we were having a business meeting we were kind of like an intro we we're trying to get a deal done and as we're sitting there i'm noticing the body language around the room everybody like everyone arrived in their like wool coats and their best like business suits and everything right and as i'm sitting there i'm noticing everybody's poker straight in their back their eyes are wide open everyone's doing the nodding along yes yes to everything and asking really you know it's, it's like politeness up to a million and i come away going that's actually a really good sign people are showing up in a way that they really want to put their best selves forward but then you'd also think if it stays like this it'd be a bit insane so you'd, ho you'd hopefully that over time that we can relax with each other and be a bit more more relaxed but for me it's a nice it's a nice signal that somebody gives a shit because they're they're coming in and they're trying to show openness and enthusiasm and energy and focus and all that sort of stuff um i have i am i've i looked up some things about this in in relation to body language i've got something with the hands because you mentioned the hands right so we have a big thing about hands-free coaching right so we say if like like, like I, I noticed last night in halfway through one of the six minute rounds my hands are in my pocket it's a cold gym like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> no big deal but everyone knows that when your hands in your pocket you feel cold and now you're thinking about that and not the thing so it's a little signal that there's something like you've lost your energy for this thing uh it's the same thing if i've got a like a phone in my hand if i'm carrying around a water bottle there's like this my mind is on something else so we try and get our hands free as much as we can we fail all the time like i see coaches all the time like get your fucking hand out of your pocket in the back of my mind but I do it then all the time as well. So um, the first thing on this list is hidden hands. It makes you less trustworthy. So that's the old like ancestral thing. You don't know, is there a stone or a knife or something in the hand? So I noticed like I was sitting here watching us three. I can't see either of your hands and I'm not, you can't see mine either. <laughs> <laughs> so all three of us are like, we're, we're, yeah, exactly. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, Finger pointing is one of the most aggressive things we can do. Yeah. And we can kind of intuitively know that. But it was saying, the article was interesting. It was saying that if you're a leader in a room and you point fingers, you're getting aggressive. And it's a signal to the whole room you're losing the room. Because you're starting to become aggressive and everyone's like, this person is just going to, like, they're going to cannons at this point. So that's one that sometimes when we're teaching, we can point unconsciously. And we're trying to point something out. But if we're pointing at people, it's usually perceived as like, this person has a problem with me in some way, shape, or form. Um, the next thing then is uh, hands not moving. So we see this with some, especially novice coaches, that they're trying to coach so well that they don't know what to do with their hands. A zombie. And, then, and their hands end up by their side and they're talking. And it's like, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> I feel more afraid about that version that the finger pointed. <laughs> Give me the finger pointed over the robot thing for the, sure. The, yeah, the robot mode. Yeah. But so I think if we're going to add energy, especially in the coaching context, 
we got to be you know hands up and they're moving and i know for me as a communication tool of ideas i use my hands and arms so much to talk about body language sorry uh, like body angles and um, speed sequence position it's such a nuanced thing use my arms my hands my fingers everything for it so it's a it's a big tool the last one then was was interesting was we can use our hands to ground a room like make everyone feel at ease and we do it by keeping our hands at the abdomen level so if we're like at belly button height no matter what we're doing if it's down here everybody's like i feel a bit more calm so i thought that was an interesting little tool to use in our um you know as you're watching your hands do stuff i use my hands all the time i know i do um any any cues that you have james for us that can be helpful me being me i went on a communication nerd out last year where i was digging deep on some concepts on developing communication like i bought a course i bought your man vin's course and he had a body language section on his and on his course he referenced someone else and so i went and bought her book and listened to so i have all these things and she referenced someone else so i've i've three people that I refer to all the time for body language and they all refer to different things but they all mention the hands they always come back to that so with the hand thing as well your man Vin talks about um, palms up or palms down and that can dictate what you want from people so whenever your palms are up you're opening you're asking for things so you're asking a question like hey lads how are we feeling today you're opening the hands opening the palms and then whenever you want to settle the room you may go here lads calm it down slow like whenever someone's going way too fast in a workout what do you do to them you like pump the hands up and down with the palms facing down and he's big on that he's like palms up palms down yeah okay that's cool completely dictate what people do then there's a another lady vanessa van edwards she's got a book called remember the charisma thing i told you about warmth and confidence that's her but she talks about she deals with corporate a lot and she's talking about what you should do with your hands on zoom so the whole trust thing, you can't see people's hands on Zoom. So she coaches people this, right? As soon as you come on a Zoom call, two-handed wave. She's like, it's the weirdest, childish thing in the world. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> people, feels ridiculous, people eh? just know that you're like, not sitting on your hands. You're not texting on your phone. It's just, I'm here. All of me's here. And it's like a quick check-in straight away. And then there's another guy I follow, Ren, Rene Rodriguez, I think is his name this big American dude. He's like six foot four, 200 and something pounds. And he talks about body language all the time, but he's also very corporate, but like deals with C-suite type people. Mm-hmm. So it's all about power posturing and that type of shit. So it's like, where do you put your hands whenever you're talking or when you're not talking? Which I thought was a really interesting one. The whole like, say you're doing a presentation with someone and Jose's talking and I'm just standing here beside him. That's when people go, fuck, they're doing my hands. They, they go in my pockets now am i switched off or what am i doing and he's all about keeping it in and around like the abdomen the rib cage and the and the steepling of the fingers this is the one and this is becoming trendy on on instagram and tiktok because i've seen a few videos on it now where people are referencing like high part jeff bezos does this and elon musk does this and all these other people and they all steeple the hands so it's all your fingertips touching and your thumb and you just kind of pull the elbows into the side and the hands just kind of rest really unnaturally and uncomfortably. Mr. Yeah, like Mr. Barnes, but point not up the ways. <laughs> Mr. Burns. Yeah, up the ways is full creep mode, exactly. But <laughs> then pointing away from you is just a bit more relaxed. And he says, what you cannot do is the finger thing. Like, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter what direction your hands are. If you're twiddling your fingers, like just tapping fingertips together, people are like, oh, they don't trust you instantly. Yeah, it's so contrived, so isn't it? So yeah, but but it, but it is. It does communicate a message. It there's, does. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Do you know what you were saying? I can't remember what you were saying earlier, but it made me think of the first time I became aware of my body language, right? And this is a bit of a personal story. Whenever I was still living in Derry, so we're talking about eight years ago now, and I went on a work night out. I worked in like a kids' soft play center and a coffee shop, and I managed that. And we went on a work night out and there was a photography studio beside us and just this one lady who ran it called Lisa. And Lisa was always in and we were sending people to her. She was sending people to us, all that jazz. So we had a great relationship as two businesses. She came in our work night out and we went for dinner as a group and then we went to like this club or whatever it was in Derry. And whenever we got in, 
I had this thing where every time we went somewhere new, I'd get someone to order me the first drink as I'll get you in the next round and then I go for a walk. I just scope the place out. And I thought what I was doing was checking to see if there was anyone there that I knew. And she's like, no, 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 no. You're peacocking. Because you're walking around, <laughs> chin up, chest up, like swaggering. Like I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> and I had like a little mini crisis that night. I was like sitting her down beside me. I was like, you're going nowhere. Explain this. Like what? I'm doing what? And it blew my mind because I was like, there's a part of me going nonsense. And then the other side of me went, oh, that's completely me. <laughs> completely james because yeah well, it makes sense yeah and now i'm like yeah i do it 100 and whenever i go somewhere i'm like i'm off peak like i'd say it to jill i'm off for peacock like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> i do it i'm very conscious of it now but initially it was like that was the first time i became aware of oh it's not just what i'm doing it's also how, how i'm doing, doing it around the room i was like oh that mind because so then i did it at crossfit competitions i like because i'm the little person whenever i go to a lot of competitions i'd like throw the bag in the middle and just go scope out everyone else and so funny <laughs> that's the first time i became aware of my body language sometimes you're an alien to me <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes you're not surprised at all <laughs> not so, at all at all oh my god so um it's so funny you say on zoom i think that's where i become most conscious oh my god when i see myself on camera i'm like oh look what i'm doing and i've got this habit of always having my hand on my head somewhere it's on my head on my forehead i've got my hand in front of my mouth i sit and listen with my hand in front of my mouth all the time yeah doing a jamie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and when i see it i'm like what is that saying to everybody because um when i was i studied a bit of body language on the masters and one of the things, some of the gestures and postures were surprising because some of them were like a subtle hand change position. Like you could have your hand on your face in one way and it's and it's communicating boredom. And then you change your finger position and it's, com it's communicating total focus. So uh, I've always tried to remember what are the different ones, you know, so I can be like, because I'm an active listener. Listening is my best way to learn. So when somebody's teaching me verbally, I really want to show them I'm listening because I want more of this. So I'm the person, if there's a big group, I end up getting a lot of eye contact from the speaker because I'm the person sitting tall, eyes open, responding to everything as if they're t talking to me. And then they end up talking to me quite a lot. And then when I'm on Zoom, I go, oh, look how lazy I look. I feel like it looks so too, like too relaxed, too slumped, elbows on the table leaning forward and in my head i'm concentrating hard but my body language is saying something completely different so i think there is sometimes a disconnect from what's going on internally versus externally i think as coaches this this got me thinking about the role of standing in front of a group of whatever it's 10 to 20 people and we're talking and i think of the newer coaches when they're getting into the the role everybody in the group is telling you what they think for the whole hour we might have 90 seconds of actual conversation with somebody in the hour but we're constantly communicating to them and they're saying very little back verbally but they're all telling us how they feel and it can feel like a bit of an assault because we definitely have people in the group who are like i do not want you to talk me through this movement right now <laughs> you got other people saying uh who are you to tell me what to do like that body language comes across other people are like this is amazing tell me more some people get curious but we're always i think we're constantly trying to pick up on the body language to, to figure out what should i give the group next and we become very good at then interpreting it i've also learned now that i often misinterpret it and some people concentrate with a boredom face. Like like James has his hand up right now. He, yeah, and some people some people are like turned away, head down, and they're, they almost look like they're like, the last thing I wanna do is hear this. And they're thinking hard about what you're saying. So I think there is that side of body language as well. So I wanna make sure when I see myself in Zoom that I'm not communicating something I actually don't feel like I'm thinking. So I'm always, I'm always trying to make that adjustment. Jose, have you got any tips for people, any cues that you yes. use? 
I think that is really important, the body language, uh, sorry, the position that your body has, but it's more important, the change of the position. So even with my hands crossed, maybe even starting because I'm cold or something like that, maybe that's the reason, but what you need to pay attention is what the change of the next position is coming through. So even with my hands open, but then I cross my hands suddenly, <laughs> then you know that is something going on in there. So I think that is way more important. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Way more important, pay attention of the change of the position than the actual position. Because the actual position maybe is coming from a comfortable mm. position as a default. So the change of it is what you what so you, matters so you, the most. So you're thinking that the change will reflect the changing inner dialogue or inner mood. In the, or, yeah, in the mood on the yeah. thinking or whatever it is. So That's the, so true. Yeah. Because it's what you were mentioned. Some people have a default position for whatever reason. And maybe you are reading something that is not the thing. But if they are changing to something, mm. it's really likely that they are changing also the thinking process or something on the mood or whatever it is. Yeah, like some people have a resting friendly face. Yeah. And some people have opposites to that, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. That that default. Yeah. But the change. I think that's really important. And then you're actually monitoring the impact you're having as well. Yeah. Because you're changing their response to it as you go. Hmm. Oh, that's super interesting. I like that. Sorry, something on that then. This is something I was actively trying to do uh, for a couple of months last year in order to... I was experimenting with different ways to build connections, better connections with a lot of the people I coach. And like, is it conversation-wise? Is it all these different things? And one of the things in one of the books I read, I can't remember which one, was all about mirroring. Oh yeah, mirroring. It's a big one. And I'm actually naturally really good at this. <laughs> And it's a good way to just build up a little bit of trust with someone subconsciously. So I don't know if you ever noticed, Jamie, you put your hands, like interlock your fingers on top of your head all the time. And it's something I've never done ever. And I do it all the time now when I'm thinking. And it's just something that I've picked up to be like, oh, Jamie's doing it, I'm doing it. Jamie's doing it, I'm doing it. Jamie's doing it, I'm doing it. And I'll do it on the gym floor as well. So conversations with people. So someone's leaning against the rig pre-class and they're just having a chat i'll lean against another pillar and talk to them if they're resting one foot on the box i'll put a foot on the box if they're sitting down i'll come sit down beside them just all these little things rather than standing over someone or being like superman pose beside them or whatever and it's just one of those things where everyone they relax and you relax in the same kind of sequence together and i think it's super powerful but it's it kind of goes along with that part of me change in body language i've gone from coach mode to just me and you yeah we can build this connection and let's chat about the thing it, and, and it does really help doesn't it it actually does unreal i think yeah i would swear yeah. by that yeah yeah and I, I do again one of those things it can also almost feel like a contrivance but it's actually an effort you're saying i want to put the other person at ease i want to connect more and it, it, it does become subconscious you just end up doing it as a way of like i'm with you here yeah a story something i heard about whenever I was looking into a lot of this stuff is like you have these charismatic people in the world and leaders and stuff and the way people talk about certain people and I don't have any political affiliation to any American party at all but two people three people that always come up in podcasts books conversations with people who are knowledgeable about this they say people like Bill Clinton Barack Obama and Donald Trump make you feel like you're the only person in the room and it all comes down to their body language and they'll like fully face you, mirror what you're doing just a little bit, lean in towards you, which I think is another big one. Like you see politicians do that all the time. They're shaking a hundred people's hands. They never stand back. They like stand back, lean in, shake the hand, the double hand thing, whatever it is, mirror you just a little bit and then shimmy on. And you see people there like mouths open going, oh, was that just for me? And mm. it's like, th like they're just performing a thing and they'll forget about you immediately. But that, like, sucking people in and making them feel mm. super special is, like, the politicians are the best at it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's so much on this. We'll have to do another chat about it because yeah. I've got loads more to discuss about it. But I think as a starting point, I think what we're saying is body language really matters. No, no matter what your situation, you're always communicating something. I'd be interested to hear if anyone starts becoming more aware of it if they've got any interesting cues they use or any observations. But I know for me, like even in this podcast, I've already adjusted my posture twice because I could feel myself slumping. 
and going I actually I actually want to relax into this podcast I'm like but I'm also I wonder what the lads think of how I'm how I'm sitting right now so I gotta be always thinking about what I'm communicating to others so yeah it's an interesting topic we'll come back to it and we'd love to hear any opinions okay Jose you're here you have a question yep to put you on the spot you're not ready it's a difficult one because I have a high expectation for both of you so oh, sorry thanks. about that <laughs> so we've not heard this question either, no. just to clarify, yeah. I'm going to put the context we have plenty of traditions extinct something that we don't do anymore like because we consider that they are not worth it or they are not ethical or whatever so traditions we left behind yeah for example slave slavery or something like that yes. we know it's bad and it's okay but back in the day was watched or done as normal that was normal daily life make sense Oh, I know what you mean. I'm okay. just trying to think, oh, shit, what? Where's he going Where's he going with this? <laughs> so I want from you to be thinking or an actual tradition that in the future will be seen as the same that we see right now, slavery or something like that is not a tradition mm. anymore or any cultural thing. So give it a thought. What do you think that well, is actual? I, I think of a, of a really simple one on this. And I think how we treat animals, I think is absolutely abhorrent. I think it will be seen as our like slavery in 100, 200 years. I think generally speaking, like factory farming, like shoving thousands of animals into cages, uh, treating them terribly, terrible life, and then they get slaughtered, and then we eat them, and we throw half of it away, and it's just the, I, and I'm, I'm the most guilty. I am such a picky eater. I love eating meat, and I feel so bad about it. I feel so bad yeah because i just think the suffering the level of suffering with poor animals in farms and especially factory farms is just terrible and i think as we become more enlightened and as things as technology moves on and we find other ways i think ultimately we'll look back and say jesus we were so awful to the poor animals i even think about how our family dog was treated when i was a kid versus how we treat our dogs now. And our dogs are treated ridiculously well at the moment. <laughs> like, we're ridiculous with our dogs. So I understand that we can go way too far with it too. And we do, right? But there is, I think, I think as time goes by, like family pets get treated better. I think in, you know, run that forward 100, 200 years, I think we look back and say, that's something that was, we were pretty barbaric about and we were kind of never given a second thought. So that's mine. Yeah, that's a really good answer, yeah. I like it. I think the traditional nine to five will go. Nine to five job. Oh, the nine to five yeah, job. I think yeah. that'll go. So that's like a. People used to just work Monday to Saturday, like 11, 12 hours a day, and then tra trade unions were set up to reduce people's working hours, and they settled on Monday to Friday, nine to five. And I think because of COVID. I think it was a, a Henry Ford. Uh, was it him? I think he actually invented the 40-hour work week. There you go. But yeah. people just used to work all the time yeah. and they get Sundays off, rest and recover and yeah. go again. And it was the the, the production line. Like yeah. we invented the production line, we need people to stand and operate the production line. What would be a reasonable amount of time? <laughs> well, 40 uh, hours. Let's go, let's stick with 40 because we got some work-life balance and all that. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think that might be... I think it'll go because I've been talking to a few people on the floor. It's like, because of the time of year, we're talking about goals and everything. But I'm talking to people about their careers too. And I'm like, here, look, so what's the story this year? Like, are you going to start pushing forward, pulling back? What is it? And a few people have said to me, they're like, I'm looking to move forward, but I have terms and conditions. And I was like, the power of the people is serious now. And I'm thinking even in Jill and her nine to five, it's like, if people can get more remote work without having to be structured into Monday to Friday, nine to five, if they're like, can I start at seven and finish at three? And then I have the evening to myself. And people are kind of doing that anyway because the world's so global. Like I think Dennis has been working with people in um, the Middle East and Japan loads. So he's like, oh, I'm early this week and I'm late next week and all of that. So I think it's going to, I think it might get to a point where if you can get your work done, mm -hmm. you're great. And if you're not getting your work done, then you're stuck on a, a more structured time. Yeah, and I think there's definitely work that's more and more work is available now that's more suited, suited to, it. to being task yeah. focused if there's tasks being completed we don't care when yeah, we and can't how you really do, it. do that and go just make sure you take 
two glasses a day it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> yeah there's lots of work that I think oh I thought Jose was taking the morning this because <laughs> no one shows up at the gym at five o'clock yeah, yeah absolutely I think there's always going to be work that is a bit more structured and time wise but I think more and more is being created now that is and I, we do see that that uh, flexibility now coming in a lot a lot more um, and I I also read some something recently about the big battle in 2024 for at-home work that I think the pushback on that now is pretty giant. I think some companies have found the limits of it and saying we we gave it loads of it because of the pandemic. Let's carry it on. And then they're like, what well, is actually costing us? And I heard I read something this morning about um, something like if it doesn't really matter, send an email. If it matters a bit, pick up the phone. If it really matters, go visit them. And it was that that like if if work really is important, we got to get in a room together. So there's that element where we have to be able to, to meet. But I think you've got something there. I think that's the direction of flow that people will want more and more flexibility. Have you got an answer here? Jose, have you got an answer? This I was is the typical now. He's gonna he shows up with a question. Normally I don't have an answer, but today I have. And I'm not sure if it's realistic or it's a hope or something that I would like. And is that people in the future will be looking backward and they will thinking how people weren't doing a sport on daily basis. I think that is something so usual for us or our environment, but I don't think that on population is the normal thing to be working out on daily basis. And I think that our body is designed for moving. If you're not moving, you're fucking up your body. That's simple. So I hope that in the future, everyone or almost mm. a really big percentage of the population is doing it as a normal thing. I'm I'm feeling pessimistic. Yeah. About that future. I know. <laughs> Are you? I'm pessimistic. That's what I tell that. I I don't think maybe it doesn't happen, but I will love that this is the next step. Uh, it would be amazing. I think it would cure a lot of problems, wouldn't it? Yeah. And there are plenty of research of the cost on the health uh, part of the economy. And plenty of them will be prevent only for doing exercise on previous to the illness. The problem that we only see how we fix the illness instead of prevent it. And the prevent is cheaper and it's way, way better. The only thing that the fact that we don't have the, uh, how to explain? We don't have the illness straight tomorrow. It's going to come in the future. Yeah. We don't see the result or we don't see that it's worth it. So here's a something for hope, right? Uh, I think one, one thing that could potentially happen that the technology that comes, because most of all technology is there to make life easier and easier and easier, which means we move less and less and less. Mm. But I think some of the technology might actually enable more movement. I think that is a, I can see that type of technology coming in there that we're, that we're more interactive with each other, maybe digitally, but it involves movement. I think that could happen. The other thing is, um, I've been speaking to you about it, but Doreen is working at the moment on a national campaign to try and look at health from a preventative side. She's in pharma her whole life and she sees the, you know, the cure side of things rather than the prevention side of things. Like the health systems are fucking overran. They're a major problem in most countries. So I think we have part of the solution here that we have a movement culture in the gym where everyone values the exercise and the nutrition and the lifestyle factors, but we're a tiny subgroup of a tiny subgroup mm -hmm. of a tiny of the population. So um, Doreen is working at the moment to try and lobby the government to make gym memberships tax deductible. So if you pay your gym membership for the year, then you can go and claim that back at the end of the year as a measure to try and encourage people to get out and get more exercise and hopefully have that prevention side. And I think more and more people are advocating for those types of solutions. I know she's working with some major national organizations now who are all saying nobody's looking at the prevention side. It's what's needed. So hopefully, you know, we'll hear more about that. You're going to see her. You'll see Doreen posting about like there's a, there's a big conference coming up. She's organizing for gym owners to try and get the whole thing together and, and move it in that direction. So like um, I think it's got, it's an uphill battle, but I think it's worth I just it. to mention that in a try to bring something positive, a little of positivism to the question. Yeah. Even we see pessimistic to the future. If you see the trend right now, probably is the time on history that the most of the population is doing some sport. It's not ideal or even close, but the trend is coming up. So hopefully if the trend keeps going like that. Okay. That's good to hear. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Amazing. 
sorry, I don't yeah. know if that's true. I was going to say I have a yeah. stat here. Yeah, since 1955, children's free time has decreased every year. Oh, their free it's time trended down. Yeah, for children. So, but that's where you start to learn and develop all your love of. Generally, that's where you. Every child I know now. This is probably a fucking middle class thing that we're you know we've got a tiny slice. Like compared to when I was a kid, every kid is in everything. They go to really? gymnastics, they go to football, then they go to drama, and like there's a lot. Like maybe the free time thing is they don't have much time yeah. outside of all the activities to choose to do the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah. Everything's structured. And Every it's like you're going to do this or this yeah. or this or this. Wednesday, or this. you're yeah. on this, and then you're going to that, and you're going to that. Yeah, well, yeah, it's interesting. What well, we have to continue doing our bit, I guess that's the main thing. Um, let's move to the next piece, which is recommendations. Let's quickly get a recommendation from everyone. James, you want to go first? I have, oh, fuck, what's it called? I have a TV show. It's on Netflix. Fool me once. Yes, I remembered it. We started watching this TV show on Netflix, and it is super. Um. It's just drawing me in massively, and that doesn't happen for TV shows ever, so we're really enjoying that. If anyone's watched all of it and they spoil it on me, I'll kill you, because... I'm is it is it funny? Is it drama? Is it no, drama? it's like a it's like a bit of um, a drama thriller, what's going on here, someone's, oh. gonna, someone's about to die, and then nothing happens. Where is it on? Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. It's Fool like a limited me once. Fool me once, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very good. I'm okay. enjoying it. it. Proper TV nerds are probably like, that's rubbish. But for me and my TV series following Inability, it's very good. Amazing. Okay, deadly. I'll check that one out. Jose, you got a book, don't you? I have two. Of course you do. <laughs> the first one, uh, Clear Thinking. I have been talking about that in the last few weeks. Uh, I find it really valuable. It's relatively new. Maybe it has three, four months. It's from Shane Paris. He has the Farnay Street uh, blog, and it's really, really good. He's talking about mental model and so on, really interested, so I recommend that one, and you are really interested on abstract idea that you can apply on daily basis. Is the so clear thinking. Clear thinking, yeah. Okay. And the second one, because I had that conversation previously the last few days, Lying from San Harris. Lying? Yeah. Oh my the God. To light. It's really, again? yeah, because I think it's worth it. Uh, it's really small, I think that is like less than 100 pages, really, really small. And it's worth it. It's basically talking about the psychology and the philosophy about telling the truth. Uh, it's putting extreme case, but even if you don't agree with the author, it's worth to be read for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, I've listened to him talk about it, and he's got some great rationale. Yeah. It's also known as the the guide to ruining Christmas, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm with him 100. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good. Okay, thanks, Jose. They're good. I'm gonna actually check those out. Um, I've got a very quick recommendation. It's a podcast. Uh, Deglon here in Santry recommended this to me last week because he knows him as my history, and it's called Empire. So it's he. They basically cover the big empires and they talk through the history of it. So um, I'm started with the British Empire. There's going to be the Roman Empire, all the big like the Ottomans. So um, what I really like is the storytelling. Like the, I've gone right back to the first episode. I've listened to the first three, and when I find it some of the areas of history <coughs> when the when the names get difficult to remember I find it hard to stay with it you know when the, when there's like it's a lot of Indian history and I'm like I find it hard to, to track them because they're so unfamiliar to me they do a great job of like highlighting the characters how the characters interact and they kind of tell it like one story at a time and I'm really like learning so much in the first three episodes about this the beginnings of the British Empire so it's it seems like it's brilliant and I can, I can imagine it's only going to get better because they'll get better at it as well. So that's one I'd recommend. It's called Empire. Um, shout out. Jose, have you got a shout out? Again, I have two. Oh, <laughs> of course you do. The first one to Campbell, uh, Jean and Campbell. We know Campbell. And I used to give a shout out because she has been here for more than 10 years. Yeah, so the gym opened 12 years ago, and she also was a pre-BUA member for two years before that. So she's probably like 14 years or something, yeah, okay. overall. It's yeah. just she embraced really good, uh, really well the cultural part that we got. She's humble. She's helping everyone. She always brings a good mood. And she's also someone that doesn't want the attention, but I want to give her because she deserves it. So it's such a pleasure to have always her around now, also in the comp class. So. 
yeah I'm so glad you gave her a shout out she is the rock star there's yeah. no doubt about it yeah and the other one is a really similar profile is Claire McMahon she has not been here that long but it's kind of the same she's not looking for the attention but she's always helping the people around she always brings the good mood in their room she's also really coachable she always pick the cue and try to apply so I think that both of them are absolutely class so she yeah she absolutely brilliant to have in the room yeah. as it like brings energy into yeah. the place terrible at views if you want to go on a hike with her terrible at predicting that's a good view so but that's you know we all have our flaws okay <laughs> big shout out to the two oh. okay very quickly lads we're about to finish here we've got our new segment yeah. would you rather okay so we've got two one one's trading related let's start with that one so would you james would you rather to be able to squat 500 pounds or would you be able to run a three-hour marathon I think I'd rather be able to run a three-hour marathon. Okay, Jose. Give me the squat all day. <laughs> okay, and I'm going to go with the squat as well. But this was hard. Yeah. I think a three-hour marathon gives you so much. So much health. So, like leg endurance, leg strength, cardiovascular, like a system that is like bulletproof. That's fast. That would be amazing. I'm so far away from that right now. But I'm also so far away from the other. But I have to say, like strong legs, you cannot beat it. Because I think you could probably go from that squat to a marathon without it being, well, <laughs> well some people could. Careful. Yeah, careful. I think of some people who can squat yeah. that much and I see how they look. I'm like, well, they're probably pretty far away yeah. from a three-hour marathon as well. But I think the raw material of that level of leg strength you can do so much with it and it's one of the biggest indicators for long life is leg strength as well as is cardiovascular yeah, endurance yeah, your VO2 max. so so i i have the caveat to this where like i take a 440 pound back squat <laughs> <laughs> so like 200 kilos instead of two 500 pounds is what 227 isn't it so I, I take 200 i'd lose that 20 you can have the 27 kilos but i'll take a three-hour marathon on top of that as well yeah, and there was isn't there some sort of a test where the five hundred pound squat and the th and the marathon in the same day? That's where this like, yeah, absolutely. So that's why we're talking about it in pounds because it's it's kind of a thing. So why the squat, Jose? Probably we value what we don't have, <laughs> and I find myself way more f fit that is strong in general. So I would love to be able to lift that heavy barbell. So that's probably why I think that either are really valuable and any of also are related is what you mentioned if you are fit in general and also you are able to do that back squat it's likely that the training for the marathon is not that different you are going to need leg strength no matter what is the the option that you are looking for but yeah. on my opinion i prefer the squats yeah i think so i'm really really close though like i could be convinced the others like in a harpy um i think like yeah they get to the heart of really what we want both of them don't they Okay, so the, the mission is to do both. We're pretty close. Okay, amazing. Right, one more, and then we're done. James, would you rather... <laughs> okay, this is ridiculous. For a whole week. A whole week. So for seven days in a row, you could have pizza for breakfast or porridge for dinner. I'm going to say pizza for breakfast, and I'll explain why. I also will pick pizza for breakfast. But oh, really? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go porridge for dinner. So go on. The reason I've said pizza for breakfast is because literally I think two nights last week I had porridge for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like pizza oh, would just be a nice and like and, I want to try something different. <laughs> and also I have my breakfast at like five AM or something? No. But that's the thing, like I don't oh. I don't eat until depending on what oh, time you're like training four or five hours into your yeah, day yeah exactly i could be six or seven hours into my day like it could be lunchtime 12 o'clock by the first time i eat which is basically pizza time which is basically pizza time <laughs> exactly so i don't think it would be totally it would be cool if i imagine i get up in the morning and i just take a video of myself on the way to the gym with a slice of pizza in the car at 5 a.m what pizza would you have if it was for breakfast yeah i'd probably just go play margarita margarita yeah simple keep it simple i think if i had to do it for move. longer than a week i'd change it up though i maybe have yeah. This will be controversial. I might have a, a Hawaiian. Hawaiian? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Jose's no longer on Team James now after that. <laughs> Italian people is dying right now. 
Uh, I picked the pizza just because I love it. I could eat in any time of the day, no matter what. Uh, also, I will go with margarita, in my opinion. If the pizza is well made, with margarita is the only thing that you need because the ingredients are just the perfect one that they are getting together. I think that when you overload a pizza, is not a pizza anymore. It's something else. As so. you can tell, Jose is a pizza purist. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and I think I would prefer pizza for breakfast every day than porridge for dinner. I don't think... Porridge for dinner sounds so unsatisfying to me. I'm like, oh my God, that's the last thing I want to have in the evening time. But I feel so bad if I had pizza seven days in a row for breakfast. Oh, I would feel so terrible. I'd actually feel fine if I had porridge for dinner. Uh, like, it's pretty good for me. So I, I think I could probably handle the week a bit better. And I'd put up with the misery. I think I could handle one month with pizza for breakfast. <laughs> like, e easily. <laughs> okay, let's leave it there, lads. 